This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so, 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 so much for tuning in to Shine On. How are you doing? It's summer. Yay! I have good feelings about this summer. I have good feelings about today's get-together. I'm really crazy about both of our guests. The first one, Alison Raskin, already a New York Times bestseller, has a book called Overthinking About You. And we're going to talk to Aliza Knox. Oh my goodness, Aliza Knox. I bought her book for my niece, who's, you know, new in the business world. Don't quit your day job. Why it's time to rise and thrive in your career. And my briefest takeaway from my chat with Aliza Knox, who's like a rock star in so many different huge fields. She's worked for Google and Cloudflare and Twitter. My takeaway is your job is just a tool. Your job is just a tool. It's not your best friend. It's not your honey pie. It's a tool. My goodness. I wish I knew that 20 years ago. But anyway, things are working out. Let's start here, though, with Alison Raskin, and we'll get to Eliza Knox in just a bit. Alison wrote the book Overthinking About You, Navigating Romantic Relationships When You Have Anxiety, OCD, and or Depression. Raise your hand if you know a young person with anxiety, OCD, or depression. Raise your hand if you know a grown-up person with any of these things. It can be so hard to enjoyably meet people and get close to people when you have these issues. And Allison is just this beautiful, bright ray of sunshine who is helping so many people with this book that I already sent to my girlfriend. The book covers everything from sharing mental health histories with partners to the side effects of medication to online dating and so much more. Allison Raskin, what made you want to tackle this book now? I didn't know if I could do it well, but I felt like I needed to try. <laughs> um, I, I've had OCD since I was four years old, so I've been struggling with my mental health for pretty much my whole life. And for me, my biggest trigger was always romantic relationships, dating, heartbreak, breakups. And I really struggled to date in a healthy way and to not have you know, these ups and downs have such a huge impact on my mental health. And then a few years ago when I realized, oh, I've actually, like, developed some good coping skills. I've built up my self-esteem. I've gotten a handle on emotional regulation and also just the right vocabulary for how to talk about my various disorders with my partners and potential partners. I thought, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> this this journey might be useful for other people because we really don't talk about the intersection of mental health and dating. And so once I started pitching the idea and people seemed like, oh, I need that book, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to write it. <laughs> right. I would imagine one of the hardest parts is how do I choose who I tell? How do I know if they're tell-worthy, right? 
Absolutely. And I think it's really valuable to go into those kinds of conversations, not just seeing, oh, is this person going to accept or reject me, but really pay attention to how do they receive this information? Are they someone who makes it safe for me to disclose more vulnerable info, or do they kind of not deserve to know that part of me? It really is this important moment in getting to know someone where you can sort of decide, hey, did that go well for me? Did I feel safe sharing with them instead of just being worried that they're going to accept or reject you? I'm, I'm going to tell you why I'm having this really big reaction right now, Allison Raskin, because I have a girlfriend who calls me when she's flipping out because, you know, she has anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And she calls me flipping out. I said too much. I did too much. I texted too much. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. And her focus is on how she feels bad because of what she did. But what I'm hearing you say is uh, is something different than that, right? You should be more focused on how the situation... Mm, tell me what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> You know, it's it's complicated and it's nuanced. And I think, you know, I really relate to what you're telling me about her. And I definitely struggled in the same way. And something I really had to work on was the ability to self-soothe. You know, a lot of times when we get into these anxious spirals, we want the reassurance. We want to get in touch with the person we're dating right away. We need to hear everything is okay. And for that kind of stuff, it is really important for you to step up for yourself, for you to develop some coping strategies so that you don't need to get that reassurance, um, so that you can tolerate the discomfort that comes with not knowing where the relationship is going because maybe it's still the early stages but it all it also is important to to be with somebody who is empathetic to your struggles who understands that your mental health is a priority and and doesn't necessarily take these things personally because they have an understanding of what is going on with you and that a lot of times it's not about them You know, everybody brings their own mental health into every relationship, and it's really wonderful that now we're talking about navigating romantic relationships with all of the things that all of us carry. What kind of reaction are you getting from the people who are reading this book? I think a lot of people are just excited to finally see some discussion about these things, you know, to finally have, like, a bit of a roadmap for how to navigate all of this stuff, because we haven't really been talking about it. And I think there has been this big shift, you know, towards destigmatizing, you know, more broad statements of mental health, like being able to say, oh, I have anxiety or oh, I go to a therapy, but not as much in terms of like the day to day of how these things impact our lives and how our individual symptoms manifest. So I'm just kind of excited to be getting into the weeds with it because I think people kind of need that and, and, and haven't had that sort of resource before. Right. What can you say to people who could be in an unhealthy relationship, like they know something's not right, but they're in a relationship and maybe they really want one or maybe they don't know how to get out? What can you say to those people? You know, it, it's kind of a, maybe a controversial thing to say, but sometimes you need to get yourself to a level of stability before you can leave a relationship. So sometimes it might feel like, oh, if I break up with this person right now, I will fall apart. And so it is okay to, you know, wait it out a little bit to maybe get back into therapy, to get into a routine that is better for your mental health, 
to make sure you're sleeping better and sort of like care for yourself because even if it isn't a great relationship, you're still going to suffer a loss when it ends. And so doing what you can to sort of lessen that impact and get yourself into a better place, you know, to sort of brace yourself for it can be really helpful. So you have a YouTube channel and a podcast called Just Between Us. Is Do we talk about all these things on that on those platforms? We definitely do. Yeah, one of the things I, I love most about Just Between Us is we, we run the gamut. We, we talk about everything that kind of interests us. And, you know, for both me and my co-host, mental health is a big part of that. Um, and so we've, we've had on so many wonderful professionals and mental health experts. And we definitely do not shy away from these topics. Beautiful. It says Alison Raskin is a New York Times bestselling author. Forgive me, but is that for this book or another? So this book just came out, but um, I actually um, have co-written two young adult novels. And the first one, I Hate Everyone But You, was a New York Times bestseller. I Hate Everyone But You. Brilliant, brilliant. All right, Alison Raskin, (laughs) you are doing beautiful things with your life and your energy. And what are you going to do next? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm continuing the podcast. It's between us. I also have a, a mental health-focused substack called Emotional Support Lady with weekly blogs, a podcast, advice column. And that's also tied to my um, same Instagram account of the same name, Emotional Support Lady. And I also host a weekly show on AMP called A Nightmare to Date, where different guests come on and share dating horror stories but the twist is that uh, they were the horror (laughs) so it's all about taking accountability for our own past mistakes oh that's great um do you have time to date with all of this this stuff you do I do. I'm actually in a very happy and I think healthy relationship with my live-in boyfriend. So he will be taking care of the dogs today while I do all my interviews. (laughs) That is the delightful Allison Raskin, overthinking about you navigating romantic relationships when you have anxiety, OCD, and or depression. And her honey is taking care of the dogs today. I enjoyed that talk so much. Right? We all bring our mental health to the table. We never talked about it in years past. But now, you know, the world, in your lifetime, the world just changes so much. So many things just change so much. And this is one of the things to talk about. How your brain and body operates in the world. And how that plays into your relationships. And then you kind of have to train the other person to understand it. Or maybe not train them. But the other person in the relationship needs to at least have some understanding of how you work. And you need an understanding of how they work. Like my husband knows, I suffer from PTSD. If he drops something and it makes a loud noise, he best tell me as quickly as possible. It's okay, I dropped the pot because my hands were soapy. Because something like a loud, unexplained noise triggers me so tremendously that I once left the house for two hours. I heard him scream in the basement, and it sounded horrible. Something was crashing, and and I left the house. Because, because I know I shouldn't laugh, but because I get triggered with PTSD, and I need to hide from that kind of thing. And now my husband totally gets that. No matter what it is, he can yell and scream if something, if he stubs his toe, but he needs to explain to me right away what it is, because if I can't see it, I go into a state. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. Where did this come from? My PTSD. 
Anyway, but now he gets it. Overthinking about you navigating romantic relationships, Alison Raskin. Overthinking about you, the book by Alison Raskin. Sent it to my girlfriend. She loves it. Oh, and let me just explain what happened that day with the loud noise and the screaming in the basement. My husband had, what do you call it, like the polyurethane, the shellac, the thing, the sticky, gooey, clear thing that you paint on wood or whatever. He had a big tub of that, and uh, he dropped it. He dropped it. And the stuff went flying everywhere. It was all over him, all over his clothes. Then he like ran upstairs to the bathroom to wash his hands. Still to this day, there's that shellacky polyurethane, whatever, like dripped all over the bathroom because it sticks there. It was all over his clothes. Everywhere he walked, he left these polyurethane drippity droppity things. What a mess. I didn't see any of it, though, because I left the house. Loud noises and screaming. I'll leave now. Anyway, next up, meet Eliza Knox. And it looks like Eliza, but it's Eliza. A-L-I-Z-A-K-N-O-X. This woman is a rock star. A renowned mentor across the globe, from recent college grads to mid-career professionals to leaders of Fortune 100 firms, she is passionate about teaching people how to grow in their value as an employee and in their value as a leader. I wish I had this book 20 years ago. I sent it to my niece, who was fairly new to the workforce. Don't quit your day job. The six mind shifts you need to rise and thrive at work. It's got hands-on practical steps for achieving career success and also for having peace of mind at work. This is one impressive woman. I have been working for corporates for 40 years, and along the way I've learned a few things, and I wanted to share them with people now that I have the time. I also learned in the second phase of my career, I would consider myself to now be software release three. So if you work in tech, my 1.0 was consulting and financial services, 2.0 was tech, and 3.0 is now uh, boards and figuring out what to do when I grow up. And the one thing you learn in tech is it's gotta be scalable. So I spent a lot of time out having coffee with people, talking to them. They call me either because I'm older or because I'm a woman in tech or a woman in sales. And, you know, there's only 24 hours a day, except for those few days where I fly from Singapore back to California, and there's a few more hours. And so I just can't have that many coffees. And I don't even like coffee. So I thought maybe I would write it all down and see if I could maybe help some people. Okay. When you say it's got to be scalable, is that what you said, scalable or scalable? That's what I said. You learn in tech, in order to succeed, things have to be scalable, meaning you can recreate them and share a lot of them without having to customize every time. So when you say don't quit your day job, is that in response to everyone quitting their jobs or do you mean something else by that? Well, it's a little bit in response to that. Of course, it's a catchy title for the times we live in. What I really would like to say, but it's too long to fit on a cover, is you don't have to quit your day job. I think sometimes people think that the reason they're not happy or the reason they need to change is because of their job. But actually, if you take a look at it, there's lots of ways you can make your job and your life work together, integrate them. And so there's a lot of tips in here about how to do that. Because the fact of the matter is, no matter how many books are out there about your side hustle, about the gig economy, about being an entrepreneur, I think most of us are going to spend most of our lives working for a large organization, whether that's a government, a hospital, a nonprofit, or a corporate. 
And what I wanted to share is the mind shifts that I think are important to make that really work for you so you can have a great job and a great work and a great life and be happy. All right. Very good. You've worked in some enormous places. Like when I Googled you, you know, Forbes was the first thing that came up. Google, Twitter, uh, the Boston Consulting Group. Did you ever have a job that was soul crushing? I've had two jobs that I thought were potentially mistakes. Uh, My second job, I went to work for someone who was really inspiring and left three months after I got there and left me in a pretty untenable situation. So you could say, well, that was terrible and it was the wrong thing to do. On the other hand, it was a bit soul crushing and it prompted me to get off my bottom and do what I'd been meaning to do, which was to move overseas and have an adventure. And it pushed me to do that. So was it a bad thing? Maybe. But in that case, I didn't follow my own advice. I did quit my job, and um, I went on to something much better. And as I said, my advice is not never to quit your job. It's just sometimes you don't need to to make things better. In this case, I think I needed to quit. Can we go through the six tips quickly? Do you want to share? I, I guess what I would say is I'm not sure I want to go through all six. I think it will take too long, and of course, people may not want to read the book. But here are the ones that I think are really important to getting the most out of your life and your career together and really being happy. Mind shift one is go for both. Your work and your life are on the same team. There are six or seven subpoints underneath it. I could give you an example for each one. The first one is, you know, not having to make a choice about your work or your life. I just wrote an article in Forbes you could look up about this where I talk about a journalist who really was doing great, went to Columbia Journalism School, was working for all the right small papers in really um, life cha- on life-changing topics like chemicals in the water and was working her way up and had dreams of being at New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. But she realized she was going to have to work in these small-town papers forever and really, really wanted to be in Manhattan because that's where her family was. And so she decided to prioritize, and this is her this is her parents and grandparents who raised her, she prioritized that, took a job she thought she didn't want, she considered fluffy in real estate, and managed to parlay that over a short period of time into a job at the Wall Street Journal. Wow. So she didn't trade off my work or my life. She said, I'm going to prioritize my life right now. She made that her first priority, made the move to New York, and guess what? She got what she wanted out of work. There's a story there. Let me ask you this. Can we all get what we want out of work when we shift our minds a bit? I think we can probably get more out of work if we shift our minds. One of my other mind shifts that I care about a lot and that I use if I shift to it is mind shift number four. You're in a relationship with your career. Nurture it. I think we have this strange concept that's come about, which is that your career should fill all your passions and do everything for you in life. Um, And for those of us who have been or want to be or are in relationships, I think we do a lot of reading, which says, don't put all your expectations on your partner. It's not going to work. One person can't fulfill all your needs. But somehow over time, we've come to this point where a lot of times we're asking our career to fulfill all our needs. I do think jobs, careers, roles can be rewarding, can be fulfilling, and hopefully most of the time fun. But I don't think they can do everything. That's too high a bar. And maybe the right thing to do is figure out what do I want most out of my career? And then for whatever job I have, 
Is it giving me the time, leaving me with the energy, and maybe giving me the financial support that I need to pursue my passion outside, whether that's volunteering in a food kitchen or an equestrian habit or travel? But maybe my career can't be everything to me. And I think that that's really important so that people don't put everything in one basket when it can't possibly deliver. Wow. I have like fireworks shooting out of my head because this is such a great epiphany. You're in a relationship with your career. Nurture it. You're right. We wouldn't ask our families or our partners to give us all the things that we expect our job to give us, all the fulfillment and the money and the and the ease or whatever. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. We, we, exactly. We ask so much of our job jobs and now when you put it that way it's like oh my gosh it's it's almost kind of childish you know we're asking job to be mommy and daddy kind of well i think it's gotten built up over time so that people can utilize all that time that they spend at work for something fulfilling and i think that's good and you know we've gone from okay it's just a paycheck to let's get something out of it let's get some learning out of it let's have a growth mindset so we can be lifelong learners Let's um, try to be at a company that delivers something good to the world, that has a mission statement that we like. I think all those are valid, but I think maybe it's been built up into too much that we expect so much of our career that it's disappointing. Yeah, right. We're setting ourselves up for failure. All right. I need one more mind shift. You pick one, anyone. What do you want to share with us? I think something really important for people is connection trumps tech savvy, even in tech. I'm a firm believer that there's a lot that still comes from human interaction and human relationships. And one of the most important parts of that that I write about is assembling a personal board of directors. I think people look for mentors, which is great, people who give advice. I think in your career, you probably need, in your current job, a supporter, an advocate, somebody who's gonna stick their neck out when it's time to say, hey, Casey's the one we should be promoting, not Aliza, and here's why, or maybe both of them, but if there's a choice, going for you. But I think most of us think about that in too narrow a way. Look at companies. They have boards of directors whose main responsibility is to hire and fire the CEO, but really what they do is provide a lot of insight, a lot of guidance with diverse points of view. There's more and more written about getting people of different ages, people of different skills, people of different ethnicities, really creating diversity on a board so you get a diversity of insights. Why shouldn't each of us have that kind of input and create a little board of directors? People don't even have to know they're on it. Maybe you see them four times a year. Think about where you want to go in your career or maybe even where you want to go outside of your career and start building some relationships with people who can give you that kind of advice periodically. Beautiful. I love that idea. Aliza Knox, author of Don't Quit Your Day Job, The Six Mind Shifts You Need to Rise and Thrive at Work. Uh, We need to check out the recent article you wrote for Forbes. Aliza, I have one question left for you, and that is, do I need to understand cryptocurrency and is it really failing? I think we all need to understand it. It's part of the modern world. It's a bit like saying, you know, 20 years ago, do I need to understand the web? But whether you need to participate in it or just be a bystander, I think that's up to you. All right. I've got some work to do. Me too. (laughs) And I'll start uh, by reading more of what you do. Eliza Knox, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else you want our listeners to know? 
things I'd love your listeners to know. I'm going to take advantage of your time. One is, yes, please check out my website, alizanox.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. But the other is, we didn't get to all the mind shifts. And of course, you can read the book and get more details. But another thing I think that's really important as we go into this hybrid world of work and possibly working from home more often or all the time, do remember to take the R out of remote. Make that word into emote. Emotional connection is key to success, especially when you don't see your colleagues, managers, and employees in person every day. Make that work for you. Emote, connect. More great advice from Aliza Knox. Send this book to all the recent college graduates. Don't quit your day job. The six mind shifts you need to rise and thrive at work. It's just work. And it can also be your love and your vocation and your passion. I get all that but it's just a tool. And before we get to our thought for the day, I'll just remind you our Shine On Summer Retreat for Women is August 12th, 13th, and 14th. We have somebody coming to play the crystal bowls. We have somebody else coming to do chair massage. We've got the pool to ourselves, nature walks. So join us. Visit caseysplace.com. I would love to hear from you. Our thought for the day is from M. Scott Peck, who said, until you value yourself, you won't value your time. Until you value your time, you will not do anything with it. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week. It's your time to shine on. Shine on.